Uh, but John chapter 19, uh, we are going to start in verse 28. That's what the scripture records. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So we dive into the scriptures together this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the gift of your word today. As we come to your word together as a community, we ask that you would speak to us. That Jesus, you would come in your fullness. We want your presence. It's all that we desire. We ask that right here and right now, maybe something in our hearts would bubble over to realize that whatever answer we're looking for, it's found at your cross. So we love you. We give you all glory. It's in your mighty name, Jesus. All the beloved said, amen. All growing up, uh, my family and I, we used to love watching this particular TV show. Uh, We'd pop the popcorn, snag the snacks and the sodas. We'd pile onto the couch and we'd wait for the main man, Jeff Propes himself, to grace our television screen. Uh, Survivor is probably the greatest television show that has ever existed in all of humanity. And if you think otherwise, I would suggest you reorganize your life. But if you've watched any amount of this TV show, uh, you know the glory of it all. The snuffing of the torch, the trickery of Boston Rob, the making of the fire, the reward challenges, the ever-coveted immunity necklace. Man, oh man, we were into it. Like as a kid, I was looking up on eBay, game-worn survivor buffs. I wanted to be Jeff Probst for career day. We'd even have survivor parties. Eat rice and beans, not shower for weeks. It was awesome! Now the show in recent years has gone downhill in my opinion, Uh, and I no way stand up here today and sponsor it, but I tune in from time to time, Uh, and I was watching a past episode recently, and the challenge was heating up, and they're going through all these obstacles in the three tribes, they're neck and neck, and it's a good one, but then one of the participants, he falls off the balance beam. And then later on in the challenge, he starts stumbling through the puzzle pieces. And as he falls off the balance beam, the host, my main man Jeff Probst, he says, Oh, you gotta you gotta go back to the beginning. And the guy he tried to step right back on, and Probst's like, No, 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 you gotta go back. So he scurries over to the back of the balance beam, and then the host says even louder, No, 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 no. All the way back. So he goes all the way back. They lose the challenge. Everybody's frustrated. Later on that night at tribal council, he gets voted off and his his, uh, torch gets snuffed. This morning, you may be thinking, man, why are we talking about Survivor? Love Ukraine, but what are we doing here? And the reality is, for you and I collectively, when we wobble off this beam called life, when we can't seem to get the puzzle piece to fit just right, when we don't do it good enough, when we've let people down, when we feel like all is lost, we commonly and very oftenly think that Jesus starts shouting at us. Try harder. No, 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 no. Back to the beginning you go. You can't pick up where you left off. Or maybe even worse, when they wobble off the beam, when they start struggling with the puzzle pieces of life, 
when they don't do it good enough, when they've let us down, when they are all lost now, we commonly and oftenly start shouting at them, no, 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 you can't pick up where you left off. Away from my presence. Back to the beginning you go. After this, Jesus, knowing all that was finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, and he held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. So much of this time and this thing that we call life, we think it's like a game show. A challenge that we're supposed to win. And if we fall off, then we have to go back to the beginning. Ashamed and embarrassed now, so there's so much more striving ahead. We look at our good or bad Christian living and we think it's a game that we're playing. And if we're not doing well enough, then the host of heaven starts shouting at us. Do you know this morning, that's that's not how it is with Jesus? That's not the gospel truth. Do we know what Jesus said from the cross? Verse 30, it is finished. In the perfect love of Jesus, it is finished. That all of humanity, anyone and everyone, is invited into life forevermore. Not by any of our standards, not by our effort, not by anything that we could gain or achieve, not by completing the challenge correctly or finishing the puzzle pieces just right. Not by anything else other than the person of Jesus who says that it is finished. That he, in his cross, as we come to him, gives us redemption. That you and I, we can live into joyful repentance of our sin and joyfully surrender to his goodness, his mercy, his love, and his grace. That as you and I live into his testimony, in the finishing work of his cross, that reconciles all of humanity to the one true God who made us and loves us. That all we will ever find at the foot of the cross is the finished work of Jesus. Do you and I know what Jesus said on the cross? Because so much of the time we sound like, no, here's my sin. Here's my striving. I'm not good enough and I don't know what to do and I, I don't deserve it. And you don't know my story, so the cross isn't sufficient for me. Not my darkness, not my nasty Not my dirty, not my broken, my shame, my guilt, my wounds, my pride, my self-righteousness or my past. I can't come near. So back to the beginning I'll go and I'll try harder this next time. Do we know that it is finished? Because so often we sound like, no, I'll just go back to the beginning. Man, all that effort that I just had is now wasted and The embarrassment and the shame is creeping in now and I'm not as good as them so there's no way I'm worthy of this love. I'll just try to sort out this life on my own. Do we know that it is finished? That in His grace, love and mercy, Jesus stoops low and takes the entire wages of sin upon Himself. So you and I, we don't start over again at the beginning. We start at the cross. We don't go back to the beginning thinking that we have to work at it and try harder and do better. We start at the cross. And at the cross of Jesus, it's immediate redemption, forgiveness, new and full life as we receive his truth and respond to him. That you and I, we don't start elsewhere with needing to prove our worth or earn our love 
or do it just right and just good enough. And hopefully, maybe if we make it out of this challenge called life, we'll be found worthy of love. No, you and I, we cannot start with us. We must start with Jesus and we must start with his cross. Why do you and I keep holding on to that sin that Jesus says is finished? Why do you and I keep holding on to that pride that Jesus says is finished? Remember what Cade so brilliantly taught us last week? If righteousness were going through the law, then Christ died for nothing. We wobble off the beam, we drop the puzzle piece, we don't do it good enough when we think Jesus is shouting at us to try harder. But when we do that, we as the body of Christ, when we do not believe and live into the freedom that it is finished on the cross, then what you and I collectively do is we stare at the cross and we say, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you up there? Your death isn't powerful enough to invite me to life. So we keep toiling and living in our own efforts when the blood and blood alone is the only thing that can set us free. We keep living in pride thinking that we don't need this cross when the cross is the only thing sufficient inviting us into life. It is finished, Jesus says. And the wreckage is that we have a whole crew of people who call themselves Christians who don't live like it's true. That we still live in darkness when the light of Jesus is shown in our hearts. We hide our sin and don't share our story because we think the cross isn't good enough to take all of it. We think the blood only covers some of us, but not all of us. We tend to assume we're good Christians who just keep on getting better. Like a green valley of grass that gets greener and greener, when in reality, we're all just dry bones that need to be made alive again. In the life of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus is the only power inviting any and all of us to life again. There's an undercurrent in our cultural moment where it seems people are asking, where is hope to be found? How do we make sense of everything that we're seeing? What are we to do? How are we to live? Do we know as the body of Christ, the church, people filled with the Holy Spirit, do we really truly believe that the cross of Jesus and His gospel truth, His life, death, and resurrection is the only thing hopeful in this life? That the most powerful thing we can do, the most purposeful thing we can do in our lives is to live in such a way that knows that it is finished. That death has no victory. That the enemy has been defeated. That sin and darkness cannot and will not stand because the King of glory willingly took the cross. That the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That we've been crucified with Christ. That it's no longer we who live, but He who lives in us. Do we live our lives banking everything off the truth that what Jesus said on the middle cross, when perfect love was nailed to that tree, that it's true. That Jesus, he spoke forgiveness, redemption, and declared the truth for all people that it is finished. Do you and I really want people to come to know Jesus? To be saved? To come alive in perfect love? If we searched our hearts, if we peeled back the spiritual atmosphere of our lives, are we desperate for people to come to know this gospel? To be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and know that they are the beloved of the Heavenly Father. 
Do we really want that? Do we really want that? That's the church we see in Scripture. They wanted people to know the power of the cross and the truth of the empty tomb. They wanted people to experience and encounter Jesus and were willing to do anything and everything if it even helped a little bit. Is there a hunger in us for the world to know the love of the living God? That hunger, it starts at the cross. When we know the one upon it, and we know the one upon it says that it's finished. Not just for some, but the Bible says that anyone who calls upon his name is given the right to be a child of God. It's all we got. It's the hope of the world. He's the hope of the world. In the power of the Holy Spirit, would we be so undone by the cross and our need and our sin that we rejoice in the truth that Jesus is who he says he is? That he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. No. The cross and its truth has divine power to demolish strongholds. That anyone and everyone who comes to it can be found as a new creation in Christ Jesus. We got good news. Do you know that? That the body of Christ are the only people who carry the hope of the world. Do we live like that's true? Because there's a sense from the Spirit that the Father's heart cannot be fully seen until you and I have fully visited the cross of Jesus Christ. That we pass by the glory of the cross so often when it stands at the center of our story. Are we aware of how much we need this? Need the cross? Need Jesus to live and breathe and do anything and everything in this life? Are we in tune with the truth that we could never have uttered the words that Jesus did? That if it was my hands, nails, and those in that cross instead of his, that we could have never, we could have never said what he said. That so often I search and search within myself for an answer, a hope and a strength. When there's no righteousness of my own, I am utterly weak and empty. But you see, it's not my weakness that I'm scared of. It's the false sense of strength that I think they have that keeps me up at night. The Bible goes on and it records that as Jesus hung on that cross, he said, I thirst. Remember? And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on the branch and held it to his mouth. Jesus drank it. And it was then after Jesus declared, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I wouldn't have been able to stomach that sour wine. I wouldn't have been able to drink the cup that he drank. I wouldn't have been able or willing to say I thirst. And I most certainly would have been willing or able to say, Father, forgive them. No. But Jesus? Oh. He's so willing, so able. But isn't that wild? The last moments of Jesus' ministry on earth, they're so much like the first. Remember the first miracle of Jesus in Galilee? Jesus is at a wedding feast. Bride and bridegroom coming together as one. It's beautiful, isn't it? But then the Bible records that the wine is ran out. Jesus, he takes water and he turns it into wine. You you know the story. 
But the best part is at the end, remember? The host stands up and exclaims, everyone brings out the best wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Jesus, in his first moments of ministry, he takes water and he turns it into the best wine. And allows anyone and everyone to take of it. And now, here's Jesus. In his last moments of ministry, he hangs on the cross. He receives the the sour wine, the cheap wine. And in his death, what does he do? He makes his blood the choice wine, the best wine, available for anyone and everyone to take of it. But the best part's at the end, remember? The whole thing, the thirst, the hit is finished, the grace, love, mercy, the blood of Jesus Christ being poured out as the new wine for the whole world to receive. The best part is at the end, remember? It's like a wedding feast. Bride and bridegroom coming together as one. That's the cross. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is finished. Because the bridegroom has done anything and everything to make it so the bride can come blameless to the wedding feast. Isn't that wild? It's as if Revelation chapter 19 unfolds at the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine, bright, and pure linen. Do you know how it's granted to us that we might be clothed in the garments of grace, love, and mercy? That we might be pure in heart and sin eradicated? Do you know how you and I are invited to the wedding feast? Oh, it's the cross of Christ Jesus. The bride, that's us, can be made new and redeemed. Not by anything that we've done, but because of Jesus saying it's finished. Not by our own efforts or striving, but because the blood of Jesus is the choice wine that is available for anyone and everyone. And there's a sense from the Spirit that the Father's heart, oh, we will never see it fully unless we fully visit the cross of the Savior. Do you know your Heavenly Father's heart towards you today? When is the last time that you visited the cross of the one who calls you beloved? I know what you could be thinking, though. It is finished? Well, what else is there for me to do? How does this involve me? Why why visit the cross of Jesus daily and be undone by His grace, mercy, love, and goodness? Why come to the cross and be undone by the love of the Heavenly Father's heart for you? Because the Sunday gathering, it is not the main attraction for a non-believer to come alive in Jesus. The Sunday gathering is awesome. But it's not the main attraction for someone who does not know the gospel to be transformed by it. You are. The Sermon on the Mount alive in you is the main attraction and invitation for the anyone and everyone. In your heart as it is in heaven is the main way for someone who does not yet know the love of Jesus to come alive in it. You, living by the Spirit as a person of love, undone by the cross of Christ. That's the main way that anyone and everyone can come alive in this truth. If it is finished, don't you think we should probably live like it? 
And as you and I individually and collectively go to the foot of the cross and bring our sin and our gratitude and our praise and our worship, all of a sudden, we start to realize that we are his bride. And in that place, no scheme of the enemy, no sin, no darkness, no pride, no insecurity, failure, or success holds the power now. For the cross is all sufficient. That even if there was no promotion at work, No bigger house, no financial blessing, no healing here and now, no possession prayed for and answered. What Jesus did and said from the cross is more than enough. So as we go and look at it, all of a sudden we start to look like someone who has experienced and encountered healing, wholeness, been set free from sin. When you and I look at the cross and live in such a way that it really truly is finished, then the world can start to see the truth of the cross. Oh, and when they see the cross, they start to see the Father's heart. The heart of the Heavenly Father who flat out loves His family and has always and will always desire His people to know Him and live in relationship with Him. But so often you and I, we complicate what a life undone by the cross of Jesus Christ looks like. That we want big and loud. We think influence, it looks like thousands are reserved just for some. We want quick overnight transformation. When it's usually pretty slow. Pretty normal. Pretty common. Pretty subtle. We think it's when we're perfect. That's when it looks like our life's been undone by the cross. When really, it's just when we're weak. Knowing that Jesus is the only strength that we need. We think it's when we're full. That's when our life will look like it's been undone by the cross. When really it's when we're empty. So the Holy Spirit can come and move in power. A mentor of mine my whole life. Oh, he's a man who's been undone by the cross of Jesus. His name is Harold. What a name. For about 20 years or so, he was in charge of entrusting, entrusted with facilitating opportunities for thousands upon thousands of people to hear the gospel. He's one of the most incredible leaders you'd ever meet. And by any stretch of the imagination and in any way that you were to look at his life, he's a roaring success. Gifted beyond measure, influenced with hundreds, entrusted with thousands. Oh, and his ministry was full and it'd be everything that you'd want to learn from. And I sat under his leadership and still do, soaking soaking in everything I can. But in all the time I spent with him, everything I could have learned, all of the big and the loud and the hundreds and the thousands, all of the ministry moments, I came to know that he was undone by the cross of Jesus Christ. Not by anything you and I would expect. It was by the way that he loved his wife. It was by the simple way that he loved his wife. So unwilling to be prideful and so willing to live in humility. So unwilling to sow to the flesh and so willing to sow to the spirit. So unwilling to prove he was right and so willing to confess and ask forgiveness when wrong. So simple. So subtle. So quiet. But counter to the ways of the world. And so in tune with the kingdom of Jesus. So often we complicate what a life undone by the cross of Jesus looks like. What could that be for you? 
you might not have a spouse. You're in good company. Neither did Jesus. But who has been entrusted to your love? Is it somebody you roam the halls of your high school with? Is it a coworker of yours that just drives you bonkers? Is it a sibling that you have? Maybe you do have a spouse. Your life will start to look like it has been undone by the cross by the way that you love in the smallest, quietest, and most practical ways. We try to fit it into some box to make sure we look like a good Christian when maybe a life overwhelmed by the cross is simply a life that looks like love. Love in the simplest ways. Really common, really average, really ordinary. Harold showed me it's a long obedience. And like a great white ox, it's step by step yoked up to Jesus. Ruthlessly following the Holy Spirit wherever and however he might lead. Because the secret sauce of the follower of Christ Jesus? Oh, to the outside world, we might look strong. But the secret sauce is to know that our heart, it is weak. Our flesh, it is failing. And there is no answer within us. And that Jesus, he is not some crutch that we lean on. Jesus is the only life that we live from. And from his cross, all we have ever heard is it is finished. So why would we not live like it's true? Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your Son so that we could have life forevermore in your presence. Right here and right now as a community together, Jesus, we acknowledge you on the cross. And we just say thank you. Holy Spirit, would you move in us that we would bring our sin and our pride and whatever we're carrying to your cross. And live into the truth that this life is not some challenge that we have to navigate through. But that yoked up to you, Jesus, living a life undone by your cross. Oh, it's a free and light life. A life of joy and peace and surrender. So right here and now, would we find ourselves in a place with you our Lord and our God, confessing our sin, turning to your cross, and being undone and overjoyed that the nails and the perfect one set us free. So would we live in freedom today because of what you have done? We love you. We give you all glory, Jesus. Amen.